Let's open up in a word of prayer. Uh, we're going to be in 1 John again this morning, uh, and I'm really excited just for the text of Scripture we're going to look at uh, this morning. And just something that you need to know as we work throughout 1 John this week is 1 John is a really interesting book because at the end of the book, Pastor Phil mentioned this last night, but John says, I've written these things to you who believe that you may know that you have eternal life. The reason 1 John was written is to give you and to give me confidence in our walk with Jesus, so that we would know what it means to live a life that is pleasing to God. That's why John writes the book. But what you also need to know is that people who love you often say hard things, and John comes along in this book, and there are moments throughout the book where he says some really hard things. He says some really pointed things. He kind of like is just very blunt and, and is going to direct his comments towards things that our heart often loves that aren't Jesus, right? And so as we walk through this book, the, the thing I want you to keep in the back of your mind is that the hard things John is saying to us are there so that we can grow in our walk with Jesus. It's not so that you leave here feeling guilt or shame. It's not so that you go home thinking I am the worst person or that you leave here today doubting your salvation. That's not the reason why John's writing John writes this book so that you can know and, and have confidence in your salvation. And I say that because the passage we're going to look at today, he has some really hard things to say, but he also has a lot of things that are filled with so much hope. He's going to say some things that kind of point out some sin in our life or some hypocrisy in our life, but he's also going to come around and say, you know what? Those who are in Christ have no reason to fear because it's been forgiven and there's freedom and there's forgiveness of sins in that. And so I hope that is on your mind as we walk through this text. But 1 John chapter 1 is where we're going to be. Let's pray together and then we'll look at this passage of Scripture. Lord, thank you so much just for your goodness to us. Thank you for the reminder last night that we saw of, of who Jesus is, that John saw him. He looked on him, he heard him, he saw him speak. And, and that Jesus, God Almighty, became man so that we could have a relationship with you. And Lord, that's an amazing thing. God, forgive us for not fully understanding the significance of that. Forgive us for moments when we don't take that, when we take that for granted, when we aren't appreciative of that the way that we should be. Lord, I pray that as we walk through your word today, that you would use scripture to help us get right, to stay right, and to know when we're going off the path, but also how to stay on the path, even like we're learning this week. And, and Lord, I just pray that you'd use your word in our lives to make us more like Jesus. And God, I just admit that, Lord, I don't have the capability to do that. Your word does and your spirit does, but I can't change hearts. I can only communicate truth. And so I pray that your spirit would work in our hearts, in my heart, that we would leave this place different than we came because of the work that your word is doing in us through the power of the spirit. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about your parents. Uh, maybe really great things, maybe like, oh, like face palm. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of your parents, but one of the things that comes to my mind when I think of my dad uh, is he used to do this thing that at the time I thought was really weird, but we would go to like a basketball game or a baseball game or some sort of event at youth group, and we'd be getting out of the car, and he'd roll down the window and be like, hey, Nick. And he kind of gets that look in his eye. I don't know if your parents have that look. He gets that look in his eye. He's like, hey, Nick. And I was like, what, Dad? Because that's how I talked back then, apparently. He'd be like, 
like with the Allstate voice, kind of be like, remember, you're harsh. And I was like, weird, okay, bye. Like, and so he'd do this, he'd, he'd be like, hey, Nick, remember, you're harsh. I was like, thanks, Dad. But why do I tell you that? Because he would do that, and I don't know if it's hard to believe or not, but I was not like a huge guy back in the day. And so when he said that, something would happen, even though it was weird, and even though I thought it was kind of awkward. I'd like stand up a little taller, maybe kind of walk with a bit of a swagger, you know? And it would change the way that I interacted with people throughout the day, right? That not because anything special, but because there's things that my family did or didn't do. There were ways that we talked to people or didn't talk to people, and you have those in your family too. Like, you're a Smith or you're a Jones, you're whatever, and there's things that your family does, and there are things that your family doesn't do because of the way you were raised. And so him simply saying, Nick, remember, you're a harsh. That changed the way that I interacted with people throughout the day. And I bet you have things like that in your life too, that because of who you are, because of the way that you were raised, because of the things your parents taught you, now there are certain ways that you interact in context. There are ways that you do respond and don't respond. There are things you will say and things that you won't say. And why do I say that? Because we're coming now into John. John, last night, he said there is a family, there's a fellowship that, that God is creating, that there's an invitation to be a part of a fellowship that brings lasting joy. And now today, John is going to come and he's going to say, okay, so what does it mean to be a part of that fellowship? So this fellowship is built upon a person that we saw, that we heard, that we looked upon. This man, Jesus, who changed the course of history, that he's, we're being invited into fellowship with him and with his people. And now John is going to say, there's a way that you interact when you're a part of this group of people. There are things you say and things you don't say. There are things you do and there are things that you don't do. And it's so interesting. John probably was one of the last disciples to live. And so he watched as Stephen was stoned to death. He watched as James became a follower of Jesus. He watched probably as Peter was, was martyred for his faith. And all of these people are dying off. All of John's friends are dying off. These people that he walked with that knew and followed Jesus. And now there's this new generation of, of believers coming up. And John is trying to say, okay, this is what it means to know and follow Jesus. This is what it means to represent the name well, right? So my dad said, you're a harsh. He wanted me to represent that name well. And, and John is coming and he's saying, you're a follower of Jesus. If you've placed your faith in God and in Jesus and what he did for you, you're a follower of Jesus. So what does it mean now to represent the name well? What does it mean to walk in a way that makes Jesus look good? And he's gonna show us that. And he begins in verse five by talking about what's true of God. So he's gonna show us what's true of God. He's gonna tell us what's true of us. And he starts in verse five and he tells us what's true of God. He says, this is the message that we have heard from him. So the message that John is declaring wasn't invented by him. It wasn't something that he made up himself. This is a message from our creator and it's going out. So it's, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And so notice, 
John is saying God is light. That's where everything starts, that God is pure, bright, shining, blazing light. And this is essentially a message about the character of God. So you say, what does it mean that God is light? What is that talking about? Well, throughout Scripture, the Bible uses the terms light and darkness to describe good and evil, to describe good and evil. And so when John says God is light, He's making a statement about the character of God. He's not just saying God is bright. He's making a statement about the character of God. He's saying God is right. He's true. He's good. And in case you missed it, he, he doesn't want us to miss this. He says, and in him there is no darkness at all. So God's not just light, but he's also completely absent and completely void of darkness you say, how do you know that's what John's talking about? How do we know that when he says light, that he means good and right? Well, give me, let me give you just one example. In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, you don't have to turn there, but listen to what it, Isaiah says. He says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. They substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. They substitute what's bitter for what is sweet. And so we see that John, he's making this comparison. He's using something from everyday life, light, to describe what is true about, about our God. And we know this is true from everyday life. We've seen this played out, that when a friend of yours comes and tells you, like, so, is just does something crazy, or they show you, like, a video on YouTube of, like, a cat getting hit by a car, or something like that, like, crazy, right? You're like, dude, that's dark. That's, that's messed up. Or, like, the illustration that came to my mind is uh, Bane from Batman, right? Uh, he's a messed up dude, He's really, really evil. And what does he say to Batman? He's like, you think darkness is your ally? I was born in the darkness. I was molded by it, right? And so even in our movies, we see that this idea of darkness represents what's evil, what's bad, what's not good. And then light represents what is morally pure and what is above reproach. Star Wars, pro tip, the dark side are not the good guys, right? Like they're not. And so we see that when it says that God is light... He's talking about the fact that he's morally pure. And at the end of the day, this is where your faith and your walk with Jesus has to start. This is something that's foundational to our understanding of who God is, that we have to remember and we have to know that he is holy, he's right. That at the fountainhead of reality, at the baseline of everything you know and believe, there is a maker, almighty God, who is absolutely perfect. He's absolutely holy. God is light. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, or the question that I've thought as I've worked through this text is, so how do I view God? Am I thinking of God as absolutely holy? Am I understanding and, and meditating and realizing that God is light? I can think of times in my life where my understanding and the ways that I've thought about God was really more flippant than it was serious towards the things of God, right? That for some of you, you may be here at camp and you're just excited to, to see your friends, you're just excited to hang out and you don't really think too seriously about the fact that God is light, right? Maybe for you, Christianity is just kind of something you do throughout the week. You're like, okay, yeah, I go to church and then my week is kind of the same. But if God is actually light, if God is completely and totally holy, then it needs to impact the way that we think about him. We need to take it seriously, the fact that he is totally holy, right? And so if God is holy, then and who are we? How do we relate to God? Well, John tells us in verse six, if you look with me, it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him 
while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So if we're going to talk about how we relate to God, John basically gives us this logical idea. He says, light plus darkness equals liar, right? Light plus darkness equals liar. So if you say you walk in the light, but you actually walk in darkness, you're lying. You're, you're kidding yourself. You're not being honest. And he uses, again, this illustration of light. So if I were to turn off all the lights in this room and I am walking in darkness, but then I'm running around saying, hey, I'm actually in the light, I'm a liar, right? Because light and darkness don't mix. The moment that I bring light into the situation, darkness is dispelled. And so John's just taking an image that we see in, in everyday life and he's saying, if you're saying that you're walking in light, if I'm saying that I'm walking in light, well, I'm actually walking in darkness, I'm lying. And for some of you, that may be the reality that you're walking in. Some of you here tonight, that's, that's kind of the normal pattern of your life, right? That you're know you're walking in, in darkness, but you say you're walking in light. Maybe you have everybody fooled and you, you kind of give off these external vibes of like, I'm awesome and I walk in the light, but deep down there's bitterness or anger. You don't really love your enemies. You don't really watch the things that you say. You say, I'm walking in light, but then there's this whole other pattern of your life that doesn't line up with that. And John's message to us would simply be liar, or excuse me, light plus darkness equals liar, right? That if I'm saying I'm going one way and I'm actually going another, I'm not being honest. And what's hard about that is when I say that and when we think about that, something happens. A lot of us kind of drop our heads. We start not making eye contact with our neighbor. We start kind of feeling something going on. Why? Because every person at camp this week can think of moments in their life where they've said one thing and lived in another way, right? I can. Like, I can think of moments where I've said one thing and actually my actions lined up another way. So you're here this week and you know that God is light, but maybe you're a consistent liar, right? You just struggle with lying. You know God is light, but you're bitter towards your parents and selfish towards your friends. You know God is light, but you've been pridefully playing the comparison game on social media and you're trying to make yourself look good, right? You know God is light, but you're trying to keep up appearances in the way you dress or act. You know God is light, but you're sinfully anxious about college. You know God is light, but you're unwilling to give up a sinful relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend. You know God is light, but you're cheating in school. You know God is light, but the things that you watch on Netflix are not appropriate. You know God is light, but you walk in darkness, right? And every person here, every person here can think of moments in your life where that's true. And if God is absolute moral purity and in him there is no darkness at all, and if I say that I walk in light while walking in darkness, I lie and do not practice the truth, does that mean that I don't know God? Does that mean that we're all just sitting here kind of making up things? That's the tension that John brings us in the text. That's the hard thing that he says. You're like, whoa, John, 
but he answers the question. We need to keep looking and see what he says. He says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So that makes sense, right? If I walk in darkness, I'm in darkness, but if I walk in the light, then I have fellowship with one another. That makes sense. And he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and... So if you're like one to circle in your Bible, circle that and, because that's important. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. So notice there's two things going on in that verse. There's this idea of walking in the light and cleansing from sin. So there's two things. They're both ongoing processes in our life. They're things that should keep happening in the life of the believer, that we're walking and we're being cleansed. Walking and being cleansed. Those are two things that just keep happening in the life of the believer. And so what does it mean then to walk in the light? That's really the question we have to answer. What does it mean then to walk in the light? So if walking in the light is the opposite of walking in darkness, what does it mean to walk in the light? Well, one thing we know it can't mean is perfect sinlessness, right? We know that first from experience because none of us are perfectly sinless. But we also know that because walking in the light involves being cleansed. So you can't be cleansed if you're not dirty and you can't walk in the light without being cleansed. So we know that walking in the light can't mean perfect sinlessness. So what does it mean? Well, it means that you can walk in the light and still struggle with sin. It means that real life is that part of the Christian life is doing battle with sin in a really real way. So yes, you can be a Christian and you can still struggle with sin, but I think what walking in the light means is that you're honest about the fact that you aren't in the light, that you affirm the reality that God is light and you are not. So when God reveals sin in your life, you're not saying, no, I'm good, I got it. You're saying, yes, Lord, that's true. That's, that's an accurate picture of me, that as you open Scripture and it reveals things in your heart, you say, yep, that's right. I'm broken. God is light. I'm darkness, and he is not. The biblical assessment of hum- humanity is that God created us to be in perfect relationship with him, but we broke that. Our first parents, they sinned, and now our eyes have been darkened, and we do. We walk in ways that are not always pleasing to the Lord. And to walk in the light is not to be perfectly sinless. It's to say, you know what, Lord? I admit that I'm not perfect. Lord, I get it. I'm not always filled with light, but I know you are. And to admit the fact that there's darkness in our hearts. And so walking in the light doesn't mean that you never sin, but that you don't seek to hide that fact from God. And so what does he say? He keeps going and he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In verse 10, he says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So again, walking in the light is is being honest about who I am. We're not saying, no, I'm perfect. We're not saying, no, I've got it all together. We're simply admitting what is true. We're coming to God and we're saying, yes, Lord, I'm a broken person. Yes, Lord, I have so many needs. Yes, there's needs that I don't even know that I'm not even aware of, right? And we say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. But John talks, he says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. There's not just darkness in the things that we do, but there's also darkness in our motives and in the things that we think and in the ways that we respond. 
And this idea of admitting and confessing sin, this idea of being honest before the Lord and before others about the sin in our life, that's not natural, right? I don't know about you, but that's not an easy thing to just like, yes, I'm a broken person, tell me all about it, right? That's not an easy thing to do. So if walking in the light is being honest about our sin, that's a hard thing to do at times because it's a whole lot easier to tell people, well, I just made a mistake. Well, I'm just a work in progress. Well, I'm whatever. It's a whole lot harder to come and say, so-and-so, I'm a sinful person and here's how I sinned against you. Lord, I have thoughts in my mind and they're not just growing to be more like Jesus. They're not just sort of not great. They're just sinful and quite frankly, they're rebellious against you. That's really hard to do. But this is the rhythm and what John tells us is true of Christians who walk in the light. That we're not fearful of, of our sin, we're admitting it to God because he's already taken care of it. And for some of us, you say, man, that seems hard. For some of us who say, that just seems like it goes against everything that, I've, that feels natural and normal, but the moment that you admit, the moment that I admit that God, yeah, I'm actually, I'm in darkness, there's sin in my life. The moment that we say that, that we're honest about that with the Lord and with other people is the moment that all of heaven rejoices because you just took the first step towards healing, right? That we're, we're now able to walk and we're saying, yes, Lord, I'm broken, but you can fix me. That we're humbly placing ourselves under the one who can save us. Like, it's not fun going to the hospital. It requires like a level of humility to say, yes, I'm broken, but the moment you admit that humility and you set yourself, there's somebody that can come in and heal you, right? And it's the same in our walk with the Lord. The moment we admit, Lord, I'm in darkness, is the moment that you just took a first step towards healing because you're submitting yourself to the one who can save you and who can make your life more like Jesus. And so this is what John says. He says that to walk in the light means that we agree with God, and he tells us what that looks like in verse nine. He says, if we confess our sins... That's not generally like, Lord, I, I'm the worst, but God, this is what I do. This is how I respond. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That when I say, Lord, I'm sinful, you are holy, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins. And so John describes authentic Christian living as ongoing acknowledgement of your sin. Healthy Christians are not perfect Christians. Healthy Christians are repenting Christians. They're the ones that are saying, Lord, I'm broken and I need your help. Lord, I need to be fixed. And so it's not walking in the light to pretend that you don't have sin. It's walking in the light when you admit that you do and you come to God and say, you are the only one that can save me. And so the way to freedom is not pretending like you're not a slave. It's admitting that you're a slave. The way to healing is admitting that you're broken. And it feels backwards, but that is where so much joy and so much freedom from the things that you're facing is found. When you just admit, I'm broken and God can fix me. And the greatest thing about being a Christian is you don't have to pretend like you have it all together, right? The very basis of our faith is that we don't have it together and Jesus had to come and save us. And so the amazing thing about being a believer is you don't have to pretend like you have it all together. You can come and just say, I'm broken, and you can start wrestling with your sin. And I'm so confident that many of you here today, you hear that and you're like, yeah, 
I want that kind of freedom. Nick, you don't even know. I'm wrestling with some things that it would blow your mind if you even knew. I want that kind of freedom. But you're scared because you think, man, if somebody knew the things that I was struggling with, they would never think of me the same again. You're like, Nick, I hear what you're saying, but how in the world can confessing sin make things better and not worse? And the reality is that for so many of us, we, we think that, and it's really just a lie that we believe, but because of that, we get really, really good at covering our sins. I just want to illustrate it this way. Chris, if you'd come up and help me out. Oh, boy. This is Chris. He is half responsible for my marriage. Just kidding. Uh, so here's what I need you to do, Chris. I need you to put on this backpack and then maybe hold this backpack for a second and then also hold this. Maybe, yeah, he's got this down way too good. All right, so for many of us, we hear that and we're like, okay, confess sin, great. But if I did that, you have no idea what people would think of me. I don't even know. And we take something that we're struggling with. Come over here. I hope this fits and we stuff it away, right? We take this and we say, lying, I struggle with lying. But you know what, if my parents knew, that would not be good. We take it and we stuff it away. And we take things like bitterness at our friends or at our neighbors or our family, and we're like, nope, got it taken care of and we stuff it away. We're not done. And we take pride, just our desire to be seen in front of people as good and as awesome. We say, you know what? People don't need to know about that. And we stuff it away. We take disobedience just the secret ways that we interact with our parents or our people in leadership in our life. And we stuff it away. You're going to have to hold that. And then envy, that desire to have things that we don't currently have. Or lust, our inappropriate thoughts towards others or our lust after power or money. We just kind of stuff them away and we carry that. And there's others, they don't actually fit. We have gossip, we just don't tell people. We have anger, and there's a whole list of other things that you may be facing here today, right? And for many of us, whew, it's exhausting, isn't it? For many of us, you just think, man, if I ever told anybody about the baggage that I'm carrying, how could that make it better? And it's interesting, David in the Psalms, when he was trying to cover up his sin, he said this. He said, when I kept silence, silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer. And David was exhausted. He was tired from hiding his sin. And many of you guys are too. You're exhausted. And man, it doesn't feel like freedom is found from confessing. Man, 
the amount of freedom that you'll experience when you just get with somebody that you trust. You say, man, this is what I'm facing. This is what I'm struggling with. These are the things that go on in my mind. There's so much freedom there. It's so interesting. In the New Testament, there's only four other places the confession of sin is talked about. It's in Matthew and Mark when they're being baptized and confessing their sins. There's one in James where it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And there's a space in Acts where it says they're publicly confessing their sins in the, the magic books that they burned. And, and there's four places and every time it's, it's not just this quiet time, it's a, a confessing of sins publicly. And I think John is talking about that too. That Confession of sin is certainly before God, but it's also getting people that you love and trust in your life. And you say, here's what I'm struggling with. And so I think, man, yes, confess your sin to God, and that has to be the place you start. But I also think there's an understanding in John that that he has that I'm confessing it to somebody I love and trust. I'm bringing people into this situation so that they can help me find victory over sin. And so we need to confess. And man, when we do that, what does David say? If you go back and read Psalm 32, it says when he confessed, that was where freedom is found. And that's when we take off, boom, that is going to break open. You're able to take off that. And so you say, man, how do I find freedom from that? How do I find a relief from the weight of sin? It comes when we come before God and we're not saying, I've got it all together. It comes when we are honest about the fact that we're broken. And man, when we're honest about the fact that we're broken, the weight falls off it falls off. And we can be honest about the way we are. Thank you, Chris. And so, yes. It does go against what feels natural. But I'm telling you, that is where freedom is found. And look what he says in the text. He says, when we confess our sins, he is faithful. God promised he's going to do it. He's going to keep his word. And he's just. God is holy. A price had to be paid for our sin. He isn't just sweeping it under the rug. Jesus, who is perfect and who is God, came and he paid the price for our sins. He bore that wrath so that you can have a right relationship with God. That's why Romans says he's the just and the justifier of those who have faith in Christ. And it says, when we confess our sins, he is faithful, he's going to do it, and he's just. He's upholding his holiness to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, man, do we struggle? Yeah, we do. But, man, is there so much hope on the other side when we just come and say, I'm broken and I need help? Yeah, because Almighty God promises, gives you his word that he is faithful and he is just to forgive us from sins. We're talking about the first step. If you're not a believer, the first step in that is placing your faith in Christ. Say, yeah, I need to be forgiven from my sins. But then the ongoing rhythm for believers is is that we continually confess our sins because healthy Christians aren't perfect Christians, they're repenting Christians. And so we need to walk in a way that is honest about who we are with God and with others. I want that so badly for you. We've been praying for that for you this week. And man, if you're here today and you're like, I just feel like I am a slave to my sin, I'm telling you, there is freedom that is available this week for you Talk to your counselor, talk to me, talk to my wife, talk to Phil, talk to somebody this week because freedom is available and man, it feels so good and I want that for you. Let's pray. God, you're good. 
Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the fact that in Christ we can be perfect before you. And thank you for the fact that the gospel says I don't have to have it all together because Jesus already took the punishment for my sin. My prayer is that people would find freedom today. My prayer is that as believers, we would embrace the healthy rhythm of confession and repentance, that we would be honest with people about the sin we struggle with, and that we would run to Jesus who offers forgiveness. But I pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.